Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And in the last several broadcasts, we've been reviewing questions that singles and teens have. And it's fun because a lot of these are covered in our book, Redeemed Sexuality. I'm going into quite a bit more detail even than the book does in these broadcasts. But one of the things I'm finding, because I, I have both married and single listeners who have shared with me that when they got to this chapter in our book on questions that singles have, that they that it was super beneficial to them because they'd had, even if they were married, they'd had those questions when they were single and they'd never really had a place to talk about it then. And they'd never talked about it in a married relationship. And they didn't know how to advise the singles and the marrieds that they were now in, either in their ministry or that were their children. And so... You know, although these are the questions from singles, both married and single individuals usually benefit. So we're going to continue along those lines is answering some of those questions that have come to us through workshops and through our emails. And so you can listen to the previous broadcasts. In all honesty, I, I don't genuinely know what part we're on. We're either on part four or five here on answering these questions. So let's go to some of these. These are literally word for word questions asked by those who are singles and teens. And so this individual asks, if being sexually active before becoming a Christian, what can I do? What can one do as a single woman? So this was written by a single woman when our biological instincts occur. And uh, in other words, when they're aroused and help, how can we get help in remaining pure? You know, you may be in this category where possibly I love uh, Song of Songs, chapter eight, verse four, that says, you know, don't awaken love before it's time. So you may have woken up love before God intended it, right? You may have engaged in sexual arousal and sexual activities in a way that now your body's pretty attuned to that and your body knows what it's like to have an orgasm. And sometimes you can feel the pull. And that arousal rise up in you. It doesn't just go away when you stop. It's like, think about it in this terms, when somebody is um, an alcoholic and they stop drinking, the pull to drink doesn't go away. When somebody has been a smoker and they stop smoking, ask ex-smokers. Smoking is incredibly hard to stop. It's such, nicotine is so incredibly addictive. And so, okay, so what does that have to do with arousal? Well... When the body's been awoken to what, how enjoyable, orgasm is very enjoyable. God created the body to, uh, for the female body, uh, the clitoris has no other job than bringing sexual pleasure. So God created the female body for the female parts of the sexual parts of the body for physical pleasure. So if you've already engaged in it, it created pleasure. People do things because they're enjoyable. And now you're living in a lifestyle where you've decided that's not God's plan to uh, experience orgasm outside of a marital relationship, but I can still feel the pulse to that. What do I do? Now, you can listen to a fuller understanding of what to do with arousal in previous broadcasts and in our book 
on um, if it redeemed sexuality. However, there is a part of this question that I want to address because there are physiological results when we engage in uh, sex before. Be- in other words, when uh, before we became a Christian, our bodies do have certain habits and they become accustomed to any number of different things. You know, like I just said, just like with smoking and drugs and alcohol, it can also happen with masturbation and with overeating, and it can definitely happen with sex. So when you look at James 1.14, where he talks about that a man that there is pulled by their evil desires and they're drawn away and enticed, and that this leads to sin, which leads to death. Well, our desires... When they're not from God, in other words, we're engaging, where the pull to engage in something is not within God's plan. It can lead to sin and death if we indulge in them. And so James makes a really important point in, in, in chapter 1, verse 14, because he talks about the word enticed. Enticement to engage in sex is, can be super strong, especially if we've engaged in it before, even if you've never had sex with somebody or you've never gone to orgasm, it could be a pull, but especially if you have, the pull can be stronger. So it's just important that we give room to this idea of enticement and that enticement itself is not sin. Even it talks about his own evil desires. A man is drawn away and enticed and then he sins and it gives birth to death. So the enticement is not the sin. It's really important that we look at that and, and emphasize that. It is at that point that we it we will benefit hugely by coming into the light. James 3.19 talks about coming into the light and that men love darkness instead of light, so they hid in the dark. Um, and 1 John 1.5 talks about God is light. And then if you continue reading in that passage about how when we come into the light, we have fellowship with with him and with one another. So it's a good idea to be open with your enticements so they don't, those desires that are not within God's plan, like James 1 says, those are, those are evil desires, meaning the word evil there literally means they miss the mark. So they're desires that are not within God's plan. So when you feel those desires for things that that don't match with God's plan, talk to somebody about it. It's not sin itself. And often our guilt can cause us to keep, so it can stop us from talking. But it's vital that we talk. And hopefully it's with someone who's safe that will help you understand that those enticements are understandable. They're real. And when you do share them, then... You can be washed in the blood and have fellowship with one another. So let's just review that. First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, he, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It's really interesting. When you're open with enticements, often what happens is the pull majorly lowers. And it's funny, I work... I'm a, also a, a drug and alcohol counselor, and I work with people with addictions quite a bit. And I work with people that aren't religious, and they're involved in different support groups that do believe in some kind of spiritual power. They're not necessarily reading the scriptures, but they talk, and even secular groups talk about how you've got to have a sponsor. You've got to have somebody you're talking bluntly and openly with in order to have good recovery. So this is true in 
all recovery programs. You've got to have a group and some specific individuals that are in your life that you're open with in order to have good recovery. Huh, that's so interesting because that's in the Bible. Don't you love it when (laughs) the truths of God's word are found out there in the world, even when they're not quoting the scriptures? It is true. When we're open and we come into the light, we do have fellowship with one another. The blood of Jesus can wash us. So in other words, your own relationship with God is impacted and you have this connection with other people. And that support is huge in overcoming. In other words, people that are not open, even in these secular recovery programs, people that are not open with their lives end up relapsing. So hello, Let's do that. Let's be open. Let's talk. Now, if you're the person listening to somebody who's sharing an enticement, be wise, be loving, be encouraging. Make sure to read this scripture to them and say, look at you. You're obeying the scriptures. You're putting the scriptures into process, into, into uh, play in your life. You are living out this scripture. Good for you. So make sure to encourage them with their openness. Don't slam them for being open with their enticements. Tell them, great job. Okay, let me give you another question from somebody who's single and a teen. They said, how do you maintain purity? Oh, this is such a good question. After so many years of giving your all to God and still trust that you can be married. You know, gosh, we've heard, and you've probably heard so many different answers to this question. It's painful because sometimes people give really, you know, you just need to be happy with what God's given you. You're going to get to heaven. Sometimes people can have such dismissive answers to this, this kind of painful question. Um, Yes, sometimes people will even say, you know, being chased, they'll, the way they respond can make it sound like that being pure and being chased is easy. And it can feel dismissive the way that people respond. And that can definitely create frustration and discouragement. And so I want to encourage you, I really enjoy the book by Laura Winner. It's called Real Sex. And then also in Matthew Anderson's book called Earthen Vessels, they make this really strong point that can help in answering this question about how we view human sexuality and how deeply embedded God's vision is for our bodies, for how we are to live in our bodies when we're not engaging in sex. So I really appreciate both of those authors and they're just the real way that they are approaching sexuality for people that are not married. So how do you maintain purity over the years? You know, one of the things is you may want to place your practice of purity within a broader context of practicing your bodily living. I, that, I, I really love that thought. It's not just about purity. It's about how I live in my body. Now, you can read more about this in Chapter 11 of Redeemed Sexuality. And the reality is couples, individuals, males, females, they need to find great ways to live in their body. They need to find enjoyable ways to use their body. 
it is hard to maintain sexual purity and to to keep your body pure if your body's not doing other really cool things like taking a dance class and going hiking and enjoying physical pleasure. God gave you your body to enjoy physical pleasure. Go use it in that way. So that is one of the ways to maintain purity is use your body in a in an enjoyable way. This is sensual enjoyment of the body, enjoying all the senses of your body thoroughly. That is really important to maintaining long-term sobriety, long-term purity. Wow, there that word came out. So the reality is, yeah, it's true. You may or may not ever marry. This this individual said, you know, that I can, you know, how do I do this and still trust that you can be married? Well, of course, we don't know if someone's going to be married, but you can find good ways to live robustly in the body that God's given you. So take a dance class, go on a hike, play in the ocean, give great long hugs to your friends. Well, actually, I do have to say, (laughs) sometimes people, you have to be aware if people give you cues that you're hugging too long, make sure to pay attention to those. However, enjoy good hugs. Go Gosh, go tubing on the river and feel that water on your skin. Go do a yoga class. Go engage in a softball or a soccer game. Go ride a bike. Go hug that friend again. Go do all those things that you need to do physically. Go turn the music on and dance. And I don't just mean the women out there. I mean the men out there. Turn it on and dance. Go climb a mountain. Go hike to a waterfall. Indulge your body. It's incredibly important that to maintain celibacy, to maintain a celibate life, you have to live passionately in the body that you have. There is this there is this common teaching that sex is essential to the flourishing of a person. But the thing is is the people who write about that are married. And that's not really very fair. Where does that leave the single people among us? You know, that if it's essential, and I can't tell you the number of married individuals, and yes, it is predominantly men, but it can be men and women who will use those words that they'll be very demanding with their sexuality, that it is essential to my life. And it's like, well, if it was essential, what's that mean for those who are spiritual, who are Christians, and who are saying, well, I am not going to engage in that. If it's essential to their health, okay, so the secular world says go do it. Actually, you need to go do it. It makes higher oxytocin in your body and all that lovely stuff. And you have better health benefits if you masturbate and if you go engage in sexuality and have orgasms. So actually, the secular world would agree with that. God's word wouldn't. So if it's essential to your flourishing as a as a married individual, then that's putting those single people in a rather rough place. So we ask you to really consider that another important way to maintain sexual purity over many years is to take a different view of sex overall. Our flourishing is not dependent on engaging sexually, whether we are married or single. And what I just said probably isn't very popular. I'm just saying it. It's probably not very popular. And I might have some very excited women who now want to go ring this over their husband's heads. I wouldn't recommend that. Don't use this phrase as a weapon. It is important to understand 
how important sex is to, to individuals, not just men. There are some women who are crying out, begging. I just got an email from somebody recently. My, my husband doesn't engage sexually. It's, I'm, I'm wondering if we should stay together. So this isn't just a male thing. There are hurting women out there uh, that sex is not happening in their marriage. So yes, Sex is so incredibly important. However, you can flourish as an individual no matter how much sex you're actually having. This is an, a very, very important point. So married brothers, married sisters, if you're counseling single brothers and sisters on their purity, examine your own beliefs in this area. So finally, in answer to this question, in practicing some of the spiritual disciplines. Really, you may want to look at a book called uh, Celebration of Discipline and the Spirit of the Disciplines. And it's important that we engage in disciplines overall in our life to place ourselves in the presence of God so that he can change us. Those are super helpful books. I love in Galatians 6, verse 8, it says, He who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So Foster, who's the author of Celebration of Discipline, talks about that when we want to grow something, we uh, we plant it, we cultivate it, we water it, but then sometimes the natural forces of the earth take over. And no, not sometimes. The only way it's going to grow is if the natural forces of the earth take over and then the up comes the grain, right? We plant it, we cultivate it, we water, but the natural forces are necessary in order to make the grain grow. So this is exactly how the, the a sexual discipline works as well, that when you engage in placing your body in God's presence, you plant it there and then you water it and you cultivate it, then God's going to make good things grow out of it, even when you're taking that sexual desire and you're giving it to him, you're placing it under his authority. And then you're going to make sure that God has the power over how it grows, what you do with it. Good sexual discipline creates good spiritual growth in people's characters. This is really important. We can have sexual discipline that creates great growth in our lives. So disciplining yourself sexually, we can say that sounds so negative, but good things can grow from it. So maintaining purity through the years, it's just important that we have a broader view. Living bodily in Christ, flourishing without sex and growing through spiritual disciplines, including sexual discipline, can give a life much richness and fullness, whether someone gets married or not. So you may marry one day and you may not because God, you know, he doesn't make those promises. He already knows, (laughs) but he can promise you a life that is incredibly full. So I would recommend you go out and find out what that is, what that full life is. So we've answered some, some, some pretty big questions here in the first half today. And I want to encourage you, this may be bringing up lots of, of your own questions. You can send them to me, jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. And you can also go and read more about them in our book, Redeemed Sexuality. You can find all of this on our website at the Art of Intimate Marriage. Go on there. There's all kinds of previous recordings You can find the link there for our book, The Art of Intimate Marriage, and for the book, Redeemed Sexuality. 
You can find a link for our cards. If you are a couple listening to this, if you're married, there are communication cards that you can buy and help uh, your communication around sexuality, the intimate marriage cards. You can also find all of that on Amazon. Also on our website is the link. This is a listener-supported ministry. We could really use your help to continue providing this. So you can go ahead and go donate there. And you can find all kinds of resources there. You can also send me questions to jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. So we're going to answer a few more questions that singles and teens ask. Let's look at a couple of those. Here's another one. My boyfriend struggles with addiction to pornography. How, as a girlfriend, can I help in his fight? And is there anything that I can or cannot do? And I tell you, my first response to this is good for you for asking this questions because it does come up. I can't tell you how many times I have couples in my office where they tell me that while we were dating, I found out that he uses pornography and and it caused us to break up or it caused a lot of conflict in our relationship. So often what happens is people don't get help at that point or they they have ultimatums, but they don't talk to anybody because they don't want to they don't want to make somebody feel bad. They don't want to end the relationship. So it can be really tricky. What do you do during dating or during engagement when you find out that your girlfriend does certain things or your boyfriend does certain things and struggles with certain things that are not okay for you? Because it can be pretty scary. And it can often cause people to wonder, should we stay together? And you are at the point where you can figure out, you're not married yet, should I stay with this person? Well, number one, get lots of advice about that question. Because if someone is not in good, if they are not in good support for those issues, they're not, now when you're dating, they're not going to be in good support. (laughs) They're going to have a lot harder time. It might be really difficult for them to be in good support when they're married. So, yes, it's valid to make sure that they're getting that help now. So are there ways for you to be supportive? You can do it by encouraging them to get help. Encourage them to seek help. Be honest with them. This is vital. Do not hold back your convictions. I work with individuals who come into my office. They're single. They're dating. And they do not tell. I I literally had someone share with me recently that they didn't want to tell their partner, their their dating partner, um, certain things they didn't agree with because they were afraid of losing them. Boy, I tell you, this is the time to have that conversation. (laughs) Share your convictions and then do your own work on understanding this problem. So the other way that you can be supportive is, you know, get your own help, um, learn some things, go read some books. You can go and onto my website, The Ransomed Journey, R-A-N-S-O-M-E-D, The Ransomed Journey, and you can find a lot of resources on uh, addiction overall, which does apply at times for people in regards to pornography. So get your own help in understanding these things. Talk with people that you're close to, that are ex- talk with people that are experienced in dealing with this. Go to the, the ministry leaders, the elders in your churches, get their advice, because if you find that this person you're dating, in this case, this is a woman asking about her boyfriend. But let me tell you, this is not just a guy thing. There are women out there struggling with pornography and they are single and they're struggling with sexuality. And this is not just a boyfriend thing. So if your boyfriend or girlfriend is engaging in a lot of lying and deceit and hiding things, then it is important that you are open with your 
feelings about that because you need to see them seeking significant help. Hiding and deceit is more the problem than the actual sexual issue. The hiding and deceit is quite problematic. So make sure to take a stand on the future of your relationship, not in a demanding, unloving way, but speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 15. Rebuke your neighbor frankly. Leviticus 19, 17. Have frank, direct conversations. There can be some problematic responses that it's important you're aware of because there are some who decide that in order to help their partner to stay away from pornography, then they'll engage with them sexually. Okay, I don't want them to have to do pornography, so we'll I'll go ahead and even though I don't think we should have sex before marriage, I'll go ahead. So and and we think, oh, that's crazy thinking. It happens all the time. I, I don't like the fact that they're drawn to other people, so I better give it. And so using sex to keep someone from doing pornography, I tell you this, it doesn't work. It won't work now and it won't work later. Because not only does this mean that you're engaging in sex outside of, you know, God's plan, which you can go and listen to that on many previous broadcasts, but then it will lead, let me tell you, to resentment, to anger, to frustration. It does not lead to healthy sexuality if we say, okay, I'll engage sexually so they won't do pornography. So let me give you some language from the recovery movement that is important. They need to work on their own program. That's actually the wording that, you know, work your program. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, if it's your husband and your, or your wife, if you're listening and you're married, they need to work their own program. They need to be pursuing having some accountability, having an accountability partner or a sponsor or a mentor. They need to get themselves into a support group and they need to put of their own accord, security on their devices. And if you don't see them genuinely pursuing these things with great care, with a real solid repentance, then you may need to look at whether it's best to continue this dating relationship. And so I do want to encourage you about, there's a great resource out there called purityrestored.com. Dave and Robin Widener have some great resources for singles and campus students on purity and and that will help address some more of this relationship. PurityRestored.com. Dave and Robin Widener. So go ahead, go pick up our book, read some more on these kinds of questions. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzen with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now let's be real, this is not a typical radio program and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conzen to address here on air, Email her at jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. Conzen is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. jenniferconzen at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Conzen's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.